welcome to the Evidence-Informed Teaching Podcast. Are you a teacher wanting to improve your classroom practice and deliver excellent teaching through access to research? Do you have a passion for teaching and are looking to connect with other like-minded colleagues through professional discussions? The Charter College has partnered with TeacherTap to support teachers to deliver excellent teaching through access to research and we invite you to be part of this community. On this podcast you will hear from fellow teachers, research experts and you have the opportunity to be part of this professional discussion. You can find out more about the Charter College of Teaching and TeacherTap in the show notes and if you find this episode helpful why not share it with a teacher friend take a screenshot and post it on your social media or even better leave us a five-star written review I'm Sarah Jane I'm the partnership manager and I'm here with my colleague Helen and we're going to be talking about what it is to be chartered what chartered status means and Helen has a real experience a personal experience of achieving chartered status so she's going to share some of that as well. So October is Chartered Month, which is why we are sharing this podcast episode. So I'm going to pass over to Helen. Maybe you could give us a bit of an introduction about your role at the college and share a bit about you and your teaching background. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So as Jane said, I'm Helen. I'm the Teacher Assessment Manager here at the Charter College of Teaching, and I've been here for just over two years now. Uh, Before that, uh, I've got 14 years experience as a primary teacher, Um, It's a bit of a family job. Uh, My mum and dad met at teacher training college. My sister's an executive head teacher in primary as well. So um, this is something that's uh, really important to our family. I worked across key stage one and two. So I've taught everything from year two up to year six. And I've bounced around a lot. So I've taught all of those year groups multiple times, um, which means that it gave me a really lovely overview of, of primary teaching sort of generally as well. I was very lucky in 2018 to be part of the pilot cohort for Chartered Status, um, which was an amazing experience, was really transformative to my teaching and meant that when this opportunity to join the Charter College came up, I jumped at the chance because I'd I'd been involved in the college for a long time. So it was a really exciting and very sort of a bit scary, I must admit, to step outside the classroom and to come and do something else. But it was... uh, a really worthwhile thing to to be doing because I really believe that charter status can really help to transform our profession. You mentioned charter status and so as part of my role I'm often doing um, presentations and talking about what we do at the college and so many people will ask me what is chartered status because we might have people listening to the podcast who haven't who haven't heard of that in terms of the the teaching profession we come across chartered in in many other professions so what does that mean to you how would you describe chartered status yeah, so you're right. So there are, you know, chartered accountants and charter surveyors and things like that. And so our our royal charter means that we're allowed to accredit people with charter status. So that is a, a professional accreditation that provides formal recognition to teachers, uh, mentors, and school leaders as well who've attained an advanced standard of practice. So this is something aspirational, um, and it's something, but it's not out of any, everybody's reach. And I think that's really important that it's not just for like a top tiny percentage of elite teachers. This is something that everybody can aim for. And it's something that we'd really like to place. So, you know, if you're a new teacher, you've done your ECT years. And then after that, then there's time to be looking at working towards charter status. So it's look, it's that 
advanced standard of practice, something else to aim for, because your teaching standards get you through your ECT years. And then after that, there's there's a gap for something that can move you on even further. I really like what you said there about how it is for everybody. We often think sometimes that it's just for some for people that have a, a leadership role, for example, or have additional responsibilities in the school. But it's definitely for everybody. So how do you teachers become chartered? So I think it's important to note first that you need to choose your pathway. So we have three different pathways to chartered status. We've got one for classroom teachers, which is the pathway uh, that's it's changed because I was in the pilot, but it's very similar to the one that I followed. We also have a pathway for senior, very senior leaders, so head teachers uh, on the whole, um, and people with whole school responsibilities. But we also have a new pathway for mentors as well, uh, which uh, was launched earlier this year and has been very successful as well. So the mentor pathway, if you're mentoring early career teachers or you're mentoring uh, ITT or SKIT students, and you think, actually, what I really want to do is, is work on my mentoring practice alongside my teaching practice, then the mentor pathway is a really good one to choose for that. So that's the first thing to do is to choose that pathway. And what that does is it, it sets out which of our assessment units you're going to need to, to look at. So once you've chosen your pathway, you can register uh, and our introductory unit sets out what's covered and working towards chartered status and also sets you up with some professional learning as well, and thinking about what you're going to need to do to be able to reach that advanced standard of practice that we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Then once you've got that sorted, you can have a look at the units and we have four assessment units to work towards that work on different aspects of your practice. Uh, so everybody does the certificate in evidence informed practice, um, which you can do standalone as well. In fact, you can do any of the units standalone. Um, amazing thing about the certificate and evidence informed practice is it's a really good sort of starter unit it gets you thinking about what evidence informed practice is uh, where you can find different evidence and research how to read it how to engage critically with it so that you're actually really thinking about what it's saying and whether you can rely on it and then thinking about um, a debate task is the assessment for that one where you have a look at sort of different sides of a debate and you give some pros and some cons and you weigh those up and you think about the evidence on each side as well so that's a really great place to start then our other units are a development of teaching practice award where you think about uh, if you're a teacher or a mentor you specifically think about um, deliberate or purposeful practice and really honing a small area of your practice over time if you're a senior leader, then you'll look at, again, it's development of teaching practice, but you'll look at leadership of CPD and have a look at what's happening with CPD in your school. You'll uh, really dig closely into the research around it and you'll come up with a plan for improving CPD within your context as well. Then everybody does a professional knowledge award unit, which is exam based, which everybody's always really frightened of, but I promise is not as awful as you think it's going to be. So there is a, a multiple choice uh, based on sort of assessment and those types of things then there is a objective structured teaching exercise but we call it the OSTE because that's a very long title but it's uh, a short video of, of real classroom practice and then you respond in role to that that teacher and we pretend that that teacher's asked you a question and you're responding to it so we're looking for that professional dialogue and then there's also a written exam that really pulls out your subject specialism as well and how that relates to, to pedagogy. And then the last unit, which to I say last, it tends to be the one that people work up towards because it's 
the one that's probably got the largest assessment is the Education Research and Inquiry Certificate. Uh, again, we sometimes call that ERIC. And that one is practitioner research. So it's classroom practice based um, for teachers and for mentors. If you are a leader, then you look at more evaluation of what's happening in your school, but it's still practitioner inquiry. So it's really practical as well. And then once you've got all of those units and you've got all of those, because uh, each of those units gives you some uh, credits towards charter status, when you get to the end, then you can apply for charter status as well. I think one important thing to note here is that you can apply for recognition of prior certified learning. So if you have been, um, if you've done a, an MPQ, if you've been uh, mentoring a, a an ECT, actually, you can have a look on our website and you can apply for that RPCL for, for either part of a unit or a whole unit as well. So we quite often have people that don't need to do all of those units to be able to build up enough credit for charter status as well. What about time? Because <laughs> I know I'm sure there are a lot of people who are listening to this, maybe in the car on the way to school thinking, this sounds really amazing, but I'm a teacher, I'm really busy, where do I find the time to do this have you got any suggestions of how they can incorporate this into their current busy schedule oh absolutely um this is something that I really understand because when I was working towards charter teacher status I was teaching full-time I was also a member of SLT and I had two young children so time is is a <laughs> it's always difficult for teachers anyway uh, but I really do understand those pressures so there are two really important things about that. The first one is that the pathways are really flexible and those assessment units are flexible time-wise. There are no hard deadlines. We suggest them. So if you sign up for um, certificate and evidence-informed practice, we very gently, um, say, depending on when you sign up, uh, put you into a gentle cohort and then we will suggest a date when you ought to maybe be handing that assessment in. But if something comes up and you can't manage it, then you can just go for the next one instead. You don't need to ask us. You don't need to worry about it. You can just say, actually, do you know what? At the moment, I can't manage it. I'm going to pop it in here. That flexibility is really important. And you can, once you've registered for chartered status and you've signed up for that inductory unit, you've got um, three years to be able to get through all of those, those units. And each of those units is then flexible within itself. The exam unit can sort of run over the top. So I quite often suggest to people that they got three exams to do, uh, knock off one each long term. Uh, you don't need to do a lot of research or um, prep for those exams uh, because they're, they're just looking for a, a standard of knowledge. So a little bit of prior reading beforehand, have a go at the practice one, but then you can knock those off. They're not a, a big time commitment. The other thing is to really utilise idea within the assessments of choosing something meaningful so I mentioned earlier about deliberate practice so when I was doing my deliberate practice unit one of the things that I was in I'd just been put back into year two and it was a little bit of a culture shock having been in year six before that and worked my way up the school and then suddenly I was back down in with year two and we'd just been bought a load of math equipment so there were bead strings and deans and um numicon and it, it was it was chaos because i was like well i don't know what to do with this stuff it was amazing that we've been bought it all and maths mastery and because like yeah but how do i make sure that the children in my class are getting the most out of those resources that i've got so my deliberate practice was all about how to use those resources effectively so i went back and i looked at the research 
uh, and I put together a little plan that had some active ingredients that I'd found from research. And then I practiced that over time. And I actually recorded myself, um, which you don't have to do, but it's really amazing. I used Iris Connect for that and it was brilliant. So being able to go back and have a look at what I was doing and go, oh, yeah, that I tried that there. And look, look at what happened, because you don't see that in the moment. So then I, I honed that over time because that was what I really needed at that point. And then when I came to have a look at doing my um, inquiry projects and having a look at my own practice in the classroom, it was really easy to go, well, I've practiced this. So let's see if it's actually had an effect. Let's see, because I think it has, but I've got no data to back that up. So being able then to sort of, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sort of move those things onwards, but actually it works really nicely if you can find something like that, that's really meaningful for you, that fits in with what's happening in your context. So I've seen some amazing um, classroom inquiry projects where people have been working, for example, on uh, retrieval in their practice. And it's something that they're, you know, the geography department's working on retrieval at the moment. So this, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to see if it works. So they're not picking something new. They're not go going for something which is out of step with what's happening in their classroom. They're going with something that's really meaningful and useful for them. So when it's meaningful and useful, it's it's easier to find the time to be able to do the things that you need to do because it's interesting for you and you can see the impact that that's going to have. Thank you. And that gives us a really good experience and understanding of your personal experience and how you were really a very busy person with your roles and responsibilities at school and how um, you've sort of incorporated it. And I think that really helps people to get a clear understanding of this isn't necessarily yes it is additional work but it's, it could actually be really part of your day-to-day -day work that's going on in school we're not asking you to try something completely new as part of that oh absolutely it's it's really grounded in in your practice it's very practical um so the assessments all have they're all focused on your 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 practice and really drawing out you know what what research might suggest might work but then being able to pull that together with your own professional knowledge and then actually the knowledge of your context because um you know what worked with my year twos might not necessarily work with somebody else's year twos so being able to put all of those things together is is a really important part of what we're doing and i think sums up charter status as, as a whole it's really about trying to empower teachers and leaders to be able to make those evidence-informed decisions yeah and again it, it's something that a teacher could work on individually but there are groups who often of teachers in schools who sometimes come together and actually go through um the the process together for example with the um certificate and evidence informed practice yeah we've got some amazing groups that um, have picked up particularly the certificate and evidence informed practice as part of their cpd um, and we support schools we give them some guidance on how they can do that so that they can purchase the certificate for their staff and then work through it together so when you get when you get to the assessment we don't want you to to write together but you can definitely um bounce ideas off people and you can talk about the research together and actually what that does is it really sparks conversations and it's something that you know we're really keen on doing and getting those conversations happening in staff rooms and I think the other thing that's really important about it is it's I always said it's like, a bit like dropping a pebble into a pond. So, for example, my deliberate practice fed onto my project about, you know, does this 
does this practice that I've honed actually have an effect? And and it did. So what I was able to do then was was roll that out more more widely. So it wasn't just me talking about it in the in the classroom. I then took it to my head and said, look, I've got I've got this that I think really works well. I'd like to try it in year one as well. So then I was able to support the other teachers. And then actually I was made maths lead. I'd been English lead for years and then I got made maths lead. And so actually then I had something that I could implement across the school and it became part of our policy. And then I went and spoke about it to the conferences and other things like I'm talking to you now. So it's still having an impact. It's still rippling out from that original, oh, crikey, how do I, you know, the kids are swinging the bead strings round. How do I use them effectively in my lesson? And actually that has a, I love it, the little thing that one of my assessment board members came up with was grassroots system change. And I think that's what this really does is it puts those ripples and they keep multiplying and they have an effect not just on you and your practice, but on your uh, your year group team, your department, your whole school. And then you're mapped if you're in a trust as well. And actually it can it can multiply. So I think it's it's yeah, it's a pebble in a pond. That's really powerful, isn't it? And as you mentioned, that work that um, many of our charter teachers do, it gets shared in so many different ways. And this podcast is a, a great example of that. We've had many charter teachers on the podcast. But what do you think are the main benefits um, of achieving chartered status? Personally, um, it was that impact on my practice and learning how to improve parts of it. So that particularly the deliberate practice was really powerful. So once I'd worked out how to do that with my math resources, then uh, what was the next thing? And again, looking at what the research suggested, putting that into context within my classroom, practicing it over time, but concentrating just on that tiny thing at a time. So I'm not trying to mend everything. I'm looking at one little thing at a time. And actually, I did that a number of times. And then after I taught in year two, I moved to year five. And I had a different set of things to work on. So being able to have a system that I knew worked for me to be able to pick up and put in when I was looking at um, behaviour in year five and how I could help with that. Actually, that was really powerful because that had a real impact on my practice day to day. The other thing it does is it really built my confidence in being able, like I said, to be able to go to the head teacher and say, I've, I've done this and I think it, it works really well and I'd like to try it a little bit more widely it meant that I was I was an associate governor at that point, and it meant that I was um, empowered to stand up and talk about things more confidently in those meetings as well, and to steer the direction that the school was moving in. Uh, and we, we get feedback from our graduates as well that they have had increased roles and responsibilities. Um, and again, backing up things like about confidence and being able to uh, speak more widely as well. So there's there's those benefits as well. Thank you. So if um, someone's listening to this and maybe they may or may not already be a member of the Charter College, how would they get started with Chartered if they wanted to become a Charter teacher? So if they're not yet a member, you do need to be a member in order to work towards Charter status. So that's your first thing to sort out. After that, then you can sign up for the introductory course um, for the pathway that suits you. But you could also, if you wanted to, just go for the Certificate and Evidence Informed Practice and dip your toe in the water there. Uh, we have quite a lot of people do that first and then really love it and then decide that they want to continue and work towards chartered status. There's 
a load of information on our website. I've just written a blog, um, Charter Status, The Big Picture, which sort of sums up everything that I've just talked about. So that's on the website as well. And uh, we also have a brochure that sets out all of the different units that you can work towards and RPCL and how you can work towards getting uh, credits towards one of those units as well. So all of that information is on our website. Great, thank you. And I will put all of those links in the show notes um, so that everyone can access those. Just want to say thank you so much, Helen, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your experience around um, becoming chartered and all of your wonderful knowledge. So thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. <laughs>